Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Dr. K.K. Yo. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture for today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Dear God, thank you for loving us enough to provide us your word in the Bible. As we listen, fill us with the awe that is appropriate when the master of the whole universe speaks to us. Please keep our pastor and us. Please help us to accurately hear the message that you intend to deliver. Keep us from obscuring what you want to tell us with what we want to hear where these differ. Amen. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going up, and they were gazing upward towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Let us pray. Dear Lord, teach us today to know your word, that we might see the world in your light. May your spirit move us to seek your face, to hear your voice, to behold your glory, and to walk in the footsteps of Christ. Amen. Pastor Ray, who is now on sabbatical, has asked me to preach on the uh, lectionary text this Sunday. 
I'm grateful to him for giving me this opportunity because this is a special Sunday, Ascension Sunday. Though not a major holy day in the Protestant tradition, still it is significant for Christ and his followers. The Bible text this morning may sound spooky or unreal, something like David Copperfield's levitation illusion. I can assure you that Acts chapter 1 is not describing a magic trick. The biblical text certainly gives us a kick, a kick to our senses, some of which are dull and impaired. To repair our senses, we can learn a lot from children. And they grow and expand in all their senses by asking millions of questions. What's that? What's that? Why? 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 But we adults definitely can learn a lot from children, don't we? By asking questions, though it is not cute anymore. And sometimes irritating. Nevertheless, <clears throat> we have to keep asking questions about life and God. The world of Luke X, as the text is just read before us this morning, is very much like our world today. One way lostness, confusion, and evil seems to have an upper hand. We are often lost, timid, and fatigued. Fear traumatizes us as individuals, as a nation, and as a world. We are not coming to our senses. Remember last year in March, many of us are asking the questions, should I wear the mask? <laughs> it looks silly on me. Today we ask similar kind of questions. Should I keep wearing a mask in front of a crowd that did not wear the mask? Should I trust the vaccine? Are the vaccines safe? As a country, we are puzzled. How did we get here with so much violence and injustice and increasingly a divided nation? We can, we can send spaceship to moon and Mars, and yet we cannot connect with one another in respect and goodwill. We are lost. We are lost as a world. I'm often scared of looking at what is happening in places on my prayer list. Waking up at early dawn to meditate and pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world. The escalating conflicts in the land we call holy. The wolf warrior policy and the persecuted church in a rising empire. The new security law that encroaches upon basic freedoms and rights of the people. And then the military coup d'etat in and of the country. In short, the global church is under attack. And I ask God, where are you? I become so helpless and feel useless to my friends in China, in Hong Kong, in Myanmar, in Palestine. except to groan with them in their suffering. Many of them are asking me the hard questions. 
Professor, how is it possible that God's word will be fulfilled in our lives? When evil seems to be destroying our communities, should we migrate to other countries? And where is the promised land? The early church in Acts asked similar questions. Where is God in the throes of the dark moments of human history when their land is being occupied by superpowers one after another? Can the church be bold enough to engage in God's mission in serving and transforming the world? And we have to ask, can we today? So in this context of a crippled, riven, and maddening world, Acts 1 portrays for us a sensible world, a world that can only make sense if we put Jesus in the equation. The ascension of Jesus is neither about Jesus' retirement or the church sending him off for good. Just the opposite. The ascension of Jesus is to make clear the cosmic king reigns forever. The king of the universe is eternally with his people as they are empowered in the power of God's spirit to serve. Remind you, next week is Pentecost Sunday. So without Ascension Sunday, there will not be any Pentecost Sunday. If we don't live in the reality of Jesus' ascensions, we most likely miss experiencing how majestic and gracious God is and become timid to engage God in our ministries. Already 3,000 years ago, Psalm 68 describes for us the ascension of God this way. You, O Lord my God, ascended the high mount, leading captives in your train and receiving gifts from people. Blessed be the Lord who daily lifts us up. God is our salvation. Well, the Apostle Paul, of course, I find that text very, very helpful. And he did a commentary in the book of Ephesians. This is what Paul wrote. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, quoting Psalms 68, when he ascended on high, he met captivity a captive, and he gave gifts to his people. The Apostle Paul continues, when Psalm 68 says God ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were apostles, the prophets, shepherds, teachers to equip saints for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4, 8 to 10. Friends, the ascension of Jesus affirms that God is with his people forever, in their suffering in the lower parts of the earth, and then ascended back to heavens. God never leaves us. God never turns his back on us. Last month, our grandson, Lucas, who is at the back, <laughs> spent his first sleepover at our condo without his parents. 
and he's only 15 months young. He cried and cried and just would not go to sleep. So Kung Sun and I could hear his fear in his cries. So my wife went into the bedroom, and as soon as she laid down facing Lucas, he felt secure and went to bed in one or two minutes. Friends, how much more, how much more the presence and love of the Heavenly Father will be for us to make us peaceful and restful, as he assured us in Isaiah 46. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. God never turns his back on us. It is true that uh, no one can see God face to face and yet live. So Moses, at that time, was allowed to only have a glimpse of God's presence from the back. But did you know that in the uh, Aaron's blessing, Moses was using that metaphor of face and back to describe God's presence. So the blessing goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face unto you and grant you shalom. So that lift up the face or the divine countenance towards you is a metaphor of, yeah, Moses, you have seen God's back, but God's nature is not to turn God's back on people. He would turn his face towards us. If God does not turn to us, then our turning to God means nothing. It is God's nature to turn his face towards us, something not even Moses can dream of or accustomed to. That is why the Gospel of John is answering for us the questions. Can one gaze or stare into the glory of God and still live? Well, for John, what we see of Jesus is exactly who God is. There's no distance between Jesus and God. And John 1.14 proclaims, We have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Throughout the Bible, the lost sheep metaphor has been used to describe the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. So the fall in Genesis 3 is describing the falling away of humanity from their creator. Adam and Eve turn away from God, cut themselves off from God, so the glorious image of God in them becomes self-condemned shame. They hide themselves in flight and unworthiness from God, unable to face the all-knowing creator who whispers to them in the garden, Where are you? Does God not know the conditions of Adam and Eve and where they are? Does God not know who you are, my friends. The ecology of the Garden of Eden collapsed. The climate change, Adam and Eve felt the chill in the air. 
and in the fractured, shameful souls. As my experience of the Holy Land tells me, we, like lost sheep, try to hide under a rock or a bush and begin to quiver and bleed. But Jesus, being the good shepherd, would have to locate us quickly, lest the lost sheep be hurt and killed by a wild animal. On being found, of course, the lost sheep is usually too traumatized to even walk properly. So they have to be carried by the shepherd, the good shepherd, back to the village, return to the flock. No, we human beings cannot save ourselves, even though we like to think that is possible. That's not impossible. Especially with our addictions and brokenness, the self-help manuals may be good for learning crafts and arts, or picking up some kind of techniques, skills, but they are commercialized only to fool us into thinking that we can fix our own fallenness. We need a savior. We need a savior who is powerful and caring and who is reason and ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God as the Apostle Creed summarized. Meaning Jesus is exalted to reign with God, to have God's ultimate power and authority to subdue evil and to bring about shalom of the whole cosmos. If we are grounded on earth too much and too long, we tend to reduce God and contain him in a box. God's word has manifold senses and a robust Bible reading will keep stretching our imagination to make sense of this world biblically. On the opposite end, a dull, simplistic reading of the Bible would usually just condone and justify our self-interest and convenience. In knowing God, we know who we are. We are not our own. We are His, God's beloved. Come home to God, friends. Come home. We need to come home. The ascended Christ keeps pulling us forward and upward so that we will not be lost, so that we are able to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We are being kept pulled forward and upward so that we have a big pictures of life and gain wisdom and have a long view about history. The ascended Christ pull us forward and backward, uh, forward and upward so that we can gaze upon him and find our way home. Our home is neither Chicago or Kuala Lumpur or Evanston. Marvelous they may be. These are stops for us to take a break and to serve. Our home is neither heaven nor hell, for many have been there already in their lives in this side of eternity. Our home is God alone. Do you know how to come home? When you are lost, do you know where home is? I heard a story about Mr. Dwight uh, Morrow. He's a senator, a very busy businessman, and at one time uh, an ambassador to Mexico. So one day he hopped on the train at the uh, Central Grand Stations in New York City and frantically uh, searching for his uh, train tickets. So the conductor, um, 
notice his anxiety and kind of reassure him, saying, Sir, when you find a ticket, just mail it to us. It's not a big deal. Well, uh, Mr. Morrow said, I need to find that ticket to know where I am going. Do you know where you are going? Do you know how to come home to God? Gaze into heaven, look to the mountain, and traditionally, the Mount Zion, of course, is symbolically the presence of God on earth. So Psalm 121 tells us, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Some of us are lost in our journey of life because we cannot find a ticket. We have lost our lamb to our feet. We have lost our light to our path. That is why Luke Acts in the New Testament keep reminding readers then and now the scripture codes to jolt them out of their memory knowing that we don't have to keep guessing what God is doing in our lives. In fact, we can study the Bible and let it breathe and baptize us over and over again. So in Luke Acts, Luke, the author simply loves the scripture codes to reinforce a spiritual life in God. Such as the idea of space or journey to describe holy events, missionary journeys in Acts, Luke 9 to 19, I mean that that 10 chapters to describe a three days journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Of course, recalling the Old Testament, right? The pilgrims that journeying with God in the wilderness. Uh, secondly, the, uh, uh, Jesus appealing to them during the 40 days and speaking about kingdom of God. I mean, 40 days is another scripture code echoing the wandering of Israelites and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Thirdly, the word taken up or lifted up in Acts 1 appears three times, echoing the mysterious death of Moses and Elijah, reassuring us that death does not have a final word on life. Life itself does. The fourth scripture quote, two men stood by them in white robes, again alluding to Moses and Elijah in the transfiguration story, where the greatest prophets, Moses, the, the most powerful prophet, Elijah, both of them testified to Jesus alone, whose face shone like the sun and his clothes become a dazzling white. I like verse uh, 7 in Matthew 17 describing the transfiguration uh, story where Jesus, it says, Jesus came and touched the disciples and reassuring them, rise, stand tall, do not fear, do not live life with so much anxiety. Without the biblical stories, my own personal story would be messy and painful, I know. I lived all my life in diaspora since my dad fled China to Borneo. And I was told by a counselor, a therapist, that I have developed this nomadic consciousness, nomadic consciousness, 
that is the unsettling feeling of homelessness. Because to me, the whole world is a nomad land. And I've watched that movie. I mean, I wish you know, things happen like that only in movies, but to me, it is not. But over the years, the Bible conditions me to have that surviving skill of knowing that in every place that I pass, that's my home, as long as God is there. So nobody is a stranger to God. God's heart has a soft spot for the last, the least, the lost, the confused, whatever blank that you want to fill in. There is a story of a grandfather taking his six-year-old granddaughter for a walk in the woods. 30 minutes later, the grandfather teased her. How far have we been in this journey? Do you know where we are? The granddaughter said, no, I do not know. And then the grandfather teased her by saying, it sounds to me like you are lost. And then the girl smiled and said, nope, I can't be lost. I am with you, Grandpa. Can we be lost if God is with us? Can we? Oh, I pray you will discover this kind of lostness in the wonder of God's love and curious about the mysteries of God's real presence that courts you and me to take a walk with him all the days of our life. Take a walk with God when we are at the valley of the shadow of death, as David did. Take a walk with God on the road to Emmaus, and you would surely recognize Jesus by his four actions or gestures. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. And our hearts will be strangely warm as he opens the scripture to us. That's what the text says. So it is with each of our lives that Jesus will take it, Jesus will bless it, Jesus will break it, and Jesus will share it with the wider world. How are our senses? when it comes to having this intimate relationship with God. I remember in 1984, the first time I arrived in the U.S. in a very small town called St. Bonifacius. I doubt any of you knows that little town. Because when we arrived, we were told that my wife and I just increased the Asian populations by 100%. Anyway, I went to a banquet with Caucasian friends, and they are busy talking, but I was the observing guy, you know. <laughs> After the main course, I was surprised that uh, all my uh, white friends serve, uh, serve coffee, but not me. So I wait patiently. I began to wonder if my brown skin color has anything to do with not being served coffee. So politely, I got the waitress' attention and asked if I can have coffee. And you know what she said? She said, honey, can you turn your cup over for me? With all the misdirections in this world, we are confused again. I was. 
and we live our lives often with our cups upside down, with our fists clenched, our bodies cringing, and we keep looking inside for self-help. I pray in the days ahead that your cup will overflow with God's blessings and grace as you open yourself to God, as you open your palms to heaven after leaving this worship service. For in knowing God, the King of the universe, I pray that you would know who you are, you would know whose you are, and you would know for whose ministry your life has been blessed and therefore becomes blessing for many. So let us pray. God of love, because your spirit has touched us and you have spoken to us, we are moved by your power. Dove of God, your spirit has breathed into us and therefore we are forever yours. In our despair, lift us up to you, Lord of life, that we might fix our eyes on Jesus, the crucified, the risen, the ascended, and the coming one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.